an NFL wife, mother, activist, and speaker. Now, those are just a few of the ways that Kirsten Watson gets described. She, though, prefers daughter of the king. Now, this morning, we are going to be revisiting a conversation with Kirsten, who is the wife of 16-year NFL veteran Benjamin Watson, a mom of seven, and the author of a book called Sis, Take a Breath, Encouragement for the Woman Who's Trying to Live and Love Well, But Secretly Just Wants to Take a Nap. Kirsten, welcome to The Morning Conversation. Good morning. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. There's all kinds of things that we can and will be talking about this morning, but Whenever we have a new guest on the morning conversation, we like to get to know them as brothers, sisters in Christ first. So we'd love to hear a little bit about your spiritual journey, how you came to know Jesus. Yes. Well, you know, I was raised in the church and knew the gospel Hmm. from a very young age. And it wasn't until seventh grade, we had just made a move from Atlanta to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I had an English teacher that explained the gospel to me in a way that was different and required a response. Hmm. I knew the gospel, but I didn't know a response was necessary. And she explained it to me. And so there, and after an English class, believe it or not, I accepted the Lord uh, for the first time. And man, it was just at a point, you know, you think about your life in seventh grade, 12 or 13 years old, and you're thinking, you know, what could you really be experiencing? But you know, when you're in seventh grade, you really feel like there's a weight on you or you're Mm. trying to perform. And we had just made a move. So I was the new girl in school. And there were so many things that were happening. There was a difference once I understood the Holy Spirit was living inside of me. And that just really set a different tone for the next couple of years in middle school and high school and college. And it was all because of an English teacher Mm. at school. So good. You come to know Jesus, you hear the gospel in a different way. Holy Spirit enlightened your heart and your mind and you ask him into your life. What were some of the first things that you're like, something's different here. I'm becoming a new person. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that my teacher really explained to me was that just because now I was a believer, that life didn't all of a sudden become easy. Hmm. And so that was a huge lesson um, early on. And yes, now you are a new creation, but it doesn't mean that all of your circumstances are always, you know, Mm -hmm. butterflies and flowers. And so understanding that piece was critical to know that I was not alone. In moments where I felt alone, or even surrounded by people and friends, knowing that I had the Savior with me was something that, you know, I take to this day, even through like through good times, especially, but in the hard times, knowing that, you know, I don't need, but it's nice to have a physical person there to help you through. But knowing that the Lord is with me, gave me and continues to give me a lot of strength, knowing that just because I'm a believer, like doesn't mean hard times and trials won't happen. Kirsten, we want to talk about your book today. So is this your first book? <laughs> yes, this is my first book. That's and awesome. really, it was just a response to an act of obedience the Lord was calling mm. me to do, um, as well as the encouragement and support uh, of my husband yeah. and several dear friends. You had the outside support, but they, they saw something. You were experiencing yeah. some things. So what was going on inside you that had to get out of you into this book to be a resource to other people? Well, I've been married, will be almost 17 years mm. to Benjamin, and we have seven children. Hello. Yeah, look, seven children. Take a pause, <laughs> a breath for that. But just with his career in the NFL um, for 16 seasons, all of the moving and the different people that I was around and things that I experienced, I think, you know, sometimes when you're a little bit in the limelight, people think everything is great. Mm. And what I realized was that we were struggling in several areas and experiencing a lot of trial 
and it was not seen by the quote unquote outside world of the public eye. And I think what I realized is that all of us are experiencing life and we're going through it and we show just a sliver Hmm. of what is actually going on in our lives. And so this book is really just a message that God is with us through all of it. And he is with us in the good and in the bad. And sometimes we're so busy going through life that we don't take the time to see what God is telling us, showing us and saying to us because we don't take a moment to pause. Mm. And so this book was just realizing that, you know, God was making me pause um, (laughs) over several years and he was with me through all of it. Mm. It's just really encouragement for women, especially because I know we are out here trying to do our best. So when it comes to our job and our profession, we want to do those things really well. And the problem is we're so tired and we're so focused on the outside and how it looks that sometimes we don't stop and see how God has called us into a special position and how he has empowered us to move forward. So that's really what this book is. It's that encouragement that you, woman, girl, sis, you've got this. God is inviting you to something so much more if we just take the time to stop and see it. You got it if he's got you, right? Right, right, (laughs) absolutely. And sometimes we lose that because we're so busy going from one thing to the other thing and we don't sit and enjoy and invite God into those spaces. Kristen, seven kids. And if I read correctly, (laughs) it went five, six, seven. Like you had twins at the end. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, it's one of those things where I just did not know. There are several twin parents out there (laughs) who have lived their life and I was just out here not knowing. what was happening in that house. And so I have a whole new respect for parents that have multiples. And if you even think about three and four at a time, Mm. I'm just like, you just need to take a nap right now for (laughs) real, because we were definitely prideful going into it. Oh, we'll have one more baby, six, it'll be even. We'll just strap this baby and they'll go wherever they want to go. And God was like, uh, no, Uh, you're going to have twins and it's not going to be what you think it is. And so it has not been... (laughs) what we thought it would be for sure. Yeah. So when you first found out that you're going to have twins, what was your initial reaction, gut level? But we had just come off of two miscarriages in four months. Mm. So we had lost two babies. And so uh, when I found out I was pregnant, I was actually very worried. Mm. And so when we were going into the ultrasound, they didn't hear a heartbeat. And so I was like, oh man, are we doing this again? And so I had to go in for an ultrasound. In the ultrasound room, I was just kind of like thinking about the last two times I was in that room and the news that we got, I wasn't looking at the screen. I was just looking at the technician and I saw her make a funny face. And then I said, do you see a baby? And she says, I see two babies. And I was like, what? And I look at Benjamin, I'm like, you have twins in your family? And I'm like, I don't have twins in my family. And she's like, these are identical. They're in the same sack. It's just, it just happens that they split. And then, Mm. you know, it's not genetic. And I'm I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And I will have to say after that shock, the next thing I said was, we won't even fit in my suburban. <laughs> and so, <laughs> like, already my brain is going to, like, yeah. how are we going to drive all of these people around? And so, Ben's like, you're worried about the suburban? We're having twins. And so, I'm like, I know, I'm about to drive a van. I don't want to drive a van. <laughs> and so, um, that was definitely the first conversation after the initial shock that I um, 
had with Benjamin in that room. Kirsten, you wanted to use this book as an opportunity to speak words of hope. So give us some of those words of hope. The biggest piece of encouragement I would give you to find a way to get in the word. That is life. When we come to God with what we have, with our eyes and with my fish and my loaves, like he finds a way to multiply it. Like posture yourself like, Lord, you got to show me what I need today. And that is really what will motivate you to live your life for him and not for you. All of the things that we do day to day, the decisions that we make, you know, come from a place of knowing truth. I remember seasons where I just wanted to go to bed and God would whisper to me and go, that's not where your help comes from. Like, don't get me wrong. Sometimes we need to go to bed. But there are times when vegging out, just being numb, isn't what we need. And it takes some energy to connect with God and invest that way. But man, what comes back our way in terms of true refreshment to our weary soul is so worth it. Realized too, in the last few years, the importance of community. Hmm. And so from a person who had to move a lot, finding community can be challenging. You know, my friends are all over the country and we just said, hey, we're going to read through the Bible together on the same plan. And we're just going to text every day what mm. stood out to us, so, where we want encouragement, where we need prayer. And that was one of the most impactful years, I can say, of my life that I did read the Bible with someone else. And there's just something, too, in doing it in numbers and knowing that even if I get off a couple of days, like there, someone else is still reading and sending and talking about it gets you back on track and there's no condemnation it's just like we just want to know so we can have a great conversation so i think sometimes we do things in isolation and so when we get behind we hear like the enemy telling us oh yeah you weren't that interested anyway you're too far behind and those are all lies it feels so daunting like to catch up for a week's worth of reading just do today and then pick up the days that you miss when you have spare time. Things like that, that encouragement that we get when we're in community versus when we're by ourselves. Mm. Kirsten, as you think about the contents of your book and the things that God put in your heart to share, what's one thing that that you share in the book that, man, you wish you would have known even earlier? I talk about finding your uh, dark alley friends, like the people who are like ride or die with you. And they're like, the people who will call you out. And I think that's important to have because we live in a society and a culture where it's, I just want to see what's on Instagram. And that's just a portion. So you need the people in your life who know you and see you and you see them because that accountability is awesome. But I think the other thing that was huge that I'm still learning and it's hard is this idea of saying no, choosing between good and better. In order for me to do the better, I have to say no to something. And we have to to intentionally set parameters around like what fundamentally, what are we going to be about? And so that helps us to make good yeses and be okay with saying no. That was huge early on. I talk about in the book where I said yes to something that I really didn't want to do. And that turned into something else. It was like the spot, the follow-up asks happen. And then all of a sudden I was just angry and I didn't want to do it at all. And so I was not giving or serving in a way from a, from a good place. And then everybody got affected. When we think about our yes being our yes, and God says that and our no being no, I think that's a wise thing to get better at because Now, even though I'm busy, if I say yes, hey, I'd love to have everybody over for dinner. And they're like, Kirsten, you have so much going on. It's like, no, I'm saying yes. This is a good yes. This is a better yes. 
like allowing my yes to be yes and my no to be no is something I'm growing, continuing to grow into. Sometimes it's just uncomfortable. But I think the more we do that, gosh, I think God sets us up for some really great interactions. And like the book, it felt like I don't have time to write a book. There's no (laughs) way it's, you know, this is during quarantine. So all of my people were at home during school. I'm like, this is a terrible time to try to write a book. But God says, no, this is better. Say yes to this. And so now I'm seeing... It was more of the obedience thing for me, but I'm seeing the fruit of that yes, even though it didn't feel convenient. And so it's just asking for wisdom when to say yes and when to say no. Kirsten, as I, as I think about what we're talking about this morning, you know, I, I remember years ago I'm hearing this guy say, you know, I'd rather burn out than rust out. And I'm like, yeah, I'd rather burn out than rust out. Then I heard a different guy. He said, you know what? Whether you burn out or rust out, either way, you're out. And God doesn't want you out. So as I process that that over the years, though, it's like, okay, there's burnout on one side, there's rust out on the other side. So sometimes in the name of not wanting to burn out, we chill out. In my mind, the balance between burning out and rusting out is maxing out. I can relate to something that happened yesterday. I am a very regimented person. Like I run a tight ship. 7.30 is when you are in bed. Like I don't play about bedtime. We ended up letting them swim until like past 7.30. And that seems very little, but for someone, who is very regimented. It's like they're staying up later. <laughs> it's like the memories that they had and what we did was so fun. I think that's kind of how we do should do life. It's like, God, you've set these parameters, but give me wisdom in the moment. And that's let's just take a breath moment. Honestly, it's like, this is not going how it needs to go, or this is going so great. Like, Lord, what are you showing me? You're showing my kids loving to be outside and playing with each other. It's always going back to him. And to your point about maximizing, what's the best way for me to maximize? Is it to go to sleep right now or is it to go and read a proverb and asking for wisdom in all the decisions, continual conversation that's going, this check-in that's happening. Sometimes it feels like a lot. And when you lay your head down, you're like, what in the world just happened? Like I am exhausted, (laughs) but hopefully that's the max out feeling. That's one thing I say in the book is that all of our journeys are different. And sometimes we get the burnout or the chill out because we're looking at someone else's life and think that's what I want. And God is always redirecting and saying, you know, that is for her and she's got to run that race, but this is for you. And I want you to do it well because the body of Christ misses out when we're so focused on wanting someone else's race. And quite frankly, we have no idea what it took for that person to get to that point. If you don't do what you've been called to do, then we all as a body miss out. The burnout and rust out really come out because we're fleshing out because God will max out our life in the way it's supposed to be if we'll follow him. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's a fun ride. I mean, gosh, it's tiring Mm. sometimes, but I think things (laughs) ebb and flow. It's just enjoy your journey. I think about the highs and the lows and all of that. Like he was faithful and he was sovereign. And that's what makes living this life worth living this life. And I think that's what becomes attractive to our future brothers and sisters in Christ. Kirsten, uh, thank you so much for our time today. Before we let you go, just curious. So we're obviously a music station, right? So do you have a song right now that you are really enjoying? My kids bring in new songs from school that I, I mean, I you can imagine that, you know, I have to go around the room and let everyone pick a song right. they want to play. And it's funny because I listen to music in the background. My husband is the music person, but I tend to find a group, like if I'm listening to Maverick City and I'm like, I just listen to all of their things and then my kids have favorite ones. And so 
I listen to a lot of different things. There's a lot of people that my kids listen to and they know the names of people. And I'm like, they know more than me. And I end up liking what they're listening to at school. So that's pretty cool. I love listening to Maverick City music because I feel like I'm in worship at church, but how they continue on. Like the song, my kids are like, mommy, it's 10 minutes. I'm like, yes, 10 minutes. You're going to be quiet. Okay. And so I just love that the worship continues. And so I'm just really into them right now because I can let it play. It just ministers well to me right now. Well, Kirsten, thank you so much for sharing with us today about your busy life and how you're processing it. I know that many are going to be benefiting from what you lay out in your new book. Thanks for taking the time to join us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. 